I love to pee in nature. And because I had a balcony, um, I would sometimes, instead of going to the bathroom and staring at a blank wall, if my tenant downstairs was not home, I would walk to the balcony and pee over the edge. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. <laughs> this, in full disclosure, is the third time I'm recording this intro. We've had some technical difficulties. So if you're watching this, I'm sitting in my backyard, soaking in my nature, my stillness practice. But today's episode is absolutely incredible and I'm stoked to share it with you. So let me read my notes. We had the incredible David Wood on the show and he talked about how he lost his little sister at seven to a bus accident and witnessed it and how it shaped the trajectory of his life. How he has lived two versions of his life to become the man he is today. How the process of integrating never ends. How radical honesty is the secret to true freedom. The 5% you are holding back is the true chest of gold in your life. How ignoring your body sensations will lead to undesirable results. The three areas you get to search for the mice hiding in your life. They don't require mouse traps, but this is a good one. True freedom comes from true expression. How most people don't realize they live in prison. You'll never go back, but what will you do to move forward? A simple exercise to find all the mice hiding in your house. Are you willing to confess to a crime to live in true freedom? Make it easy. Start with the awkward mice. The three D's that you must master to live, which are discover, decide, and disarm. Your mice can be messy. Leadership starts with one. Are you making hero's choices daily? And how David peeing in nature almost accidentally doused a tenant with the wrong rain. So there's that plus so much more in today's episode. So have a listen, enjoy, and let's get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, I'm joined by an incredible guest. And when I say incredible, I mean, we have a dear mutual friend, Victoria. Victoria, if you're listening to this, we both love you. I appreciate you immensely and uh, sending you lots of love right now. But she made this introduction to me and gave me no context whatsoever. She's like, George, you have to talk to this gentleman. And I'll never forget, I was driving in my car, we got on a call, and I felt like I had an instant best friend. And I was like, I love what you're putting out into the world. I love what you stand for. And I will tell you that he shared something with me that we're going to talk about on today's podcast, a concept that was so simple and profound in nature that it blew my mind. And I probably called 10 to 15 people after we got off the call and I explained it to him. And I was like, you have to hear this. You have to know this. You have to get this. And so we're going to get into his backstory. We're going to get into that concept and we're going to get into a whole lot of other fun stuff. And so I would like to officially welcome David Wood to the show. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, George. I love that warm introduction and I'm feeling quite pumped. I feel like we're on like some network TV show, you know, you're like, welcome back. And we get this, you know, millions of people around the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm having fun already. I love it. I work, I work on my intros. I try to make it fun and connected. And I, I like these being like coffee conversations because I am very selfish in my recording of these because I extract as much knowledge as I can. And so I'm like, let's get into it. Let me learn. Let's get going. And so 
Uh, we'll open the loop for everybody right now. So I'm going to have to explain this concept to you in a couple of minutes about the mouse and the room. But before we get there, um, I want to give some context to everybody listening. And, and you were so kind when we connected to kind of share your story and share how you got here. But I feel like it, it, it lends a lot to what you're currently doing. So can you give us the evolution of David, where you were, how you got here and, and where you are now? Yeah, I'll give you the short version. If it was if it was a, a Hollywood short film, um, I grew up in a country town in Australia, and I had a tragedy when I was seven years old. My little sister was killed in a bus accident, and I was there and I I witnessed it. And we didn't know back then that that's going to have an impact. We we just you know you didn't send your kid to therapy. You didn't even send them to the funeral. So I grew up, and the silver lining might have been. Um, even though I apparently shut down my emotions and I didn't learn how to feel, I didn't even know I had a body, I got really cerebral. So I got good at left brain stuff, numbers, business, systems, money. Um, I, got, I came top of my school. I got paid to go to college and I had a job waiting for me when I came out and then got a transfer to Park Avenue at the age of 23. I'm on Park Avenue consulting to Sony Music and Ford and Exxon so that might be the silver lining of the tragedy. But then I discovered at age, well, I was maybe 26, I discovered that I was unhappy. And when I went to a personal growth program, I learned over a few weeks that I knew nothing about uh, vulnerability, about true intimacy, true connection, authenticity, integrity, communication, and leadership. I knew nothing about those things. I was just charming and brilliant and doing well in my career. And so the first half of my life was about numbers and business and systems and money. And the second half of my life was going and sitting with gurus, sitting with teachers in Germany and, and, and the US and, and India and working out what it is to be human and how do I find that deeper level of truth that a teacher said to me once, he said, You've been looking for this level of truth your entire life. And I just stood there with tears streaming down my face. And this is why I wrote the book, because it took me another 25 years to really go deep and find out that deeper level of truth and how to artfully bring it into my relationships. I now want to offer that to other people so that they can maybe skip the 25 years and kind of short, shortcut some of it. Hence why I have a podcast. I'm trying to give everybody the shortcuts because I was like, listen, there's two paths. There's the one I took and I highly discourage you from taking that path. And there's the path where I share this and you implement it because I promise you it is a lot easier of a word of a path. I love that. And, I love and that. so and so in that and I'm, I'm actually innately curious when you were when you were sharing your story, uh, it reminded me of a movie that I love and watch and I recommend all the time. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on Apple TV. It's called Chasing the Present. And uh, it was this entrepreneur, very successful restaurants tour in the vegan vegetarian space, Manhattan, downtown Manhattan, on paper had everything that he wanted. But every time he tried to scale or do something else, he felt emptier and emptier. And so he documented his entire journey of traveling the world and sitting with gurus and, and realizing that he was trying to avoid presence the entire time under this illusion that what he was doing was going to create it. And, and when you share that and that, that story, that's what resonates with me. So I would love to talk about that for a minute because, you know, two parts that you said, you said, 
you know, he shared that truth that brought you to tears that the truth you've been looking for, but then there was this 25 year process of integrating that and getting it in. So like, what was that truth or what was the question or what, what was that experience like? Like, what did you find when you were looking? I think what I, what I found and, you know, when you say 25 year process, it's still going, right? I'm I'm an absolute student of life, but it was the fact that at that retreat, we were saying things that people wouldn't normally say. He was encouraging us to share our inner dialogue, which is exactly what Mouse in the Room is about. It's like, what's going on here? And so we'd start saying things, like we'd start sharing our attractions and go up to someone and say, I'm attracted to you. It was really edgy to do that. Hey, I really want to be involved in this group. It seems like you got a little click here and I, I kind of want to be part of it. I'm, I'm worried you maybe don't want to know me. Like very, very scary things. In fact, you know what? I never said that. I never even got to that level at, at the group because sometimes it takes time to discover your own mice, to discover what's going on there. Um, but as we got deeper and deeper, we'd feel more and more connected. And then all the oxytocin's flowing and we got all these good chemicals and we're like, Oh my God, we're, we're telling the truth. And then one guy said to me, and this is advanced stuff. Uh, he said to me one day, that 5% that you're still holding back, that's where all the gold is. Because I was really telling the truth, but that stuff that I, you know, that secret, that shame, that whatever, um, that's where all the gold is. So I'm not saying in this book that you should go and blurt out all of your truths at once overnight but start down the path of practicing. Oh, I've got a desire mouse. I'm going to name that. Oh, I've got a toleration mouse. I've, I've been putting up with this. Let's see if I can change that. I've got a storytelling mouse. I've been making up something about this person. I think this person doesn't like me. I'm going to find out. Now that's a hero's journey. That's a, that's a leadership move right there. I think they don't like me. I'm going to screw up my courage. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to find out, you know, I feel like we might have an issue here. Maybe I offended you. Maybe I did something. Maybe there's something I could apologize for. I'm really curious. In fact, I think I'm going to do that now, uh, now that I've said that with someone from acting class who I have this story that he doesn't like me and I'm going to go and check out my storytelling mouse and see if it's actually true. Wow, man, I love that. And I have about 800 questions. But before I ask any of them, I think we awesome. got to give some context because you you reference the the vulnerability mouse and the this mouse and then this mouse. And so everybody, I believe, and I'm going to make a sweeping assumption that everybody listening has always heard about the elephant in the room. And it's the really easy thing yeah. to see. It's the really big thing. And you have this concept of mouse in the room, which is the title of the book. And this is the thing that I... <laughs> I fucking fell in love with like so fast when you shared this with me. So can you explain for everybody listening, what is the mouse in the room? What is mouse in the room? Like give us the entire overview. Thank you. There's so much going on inside us all the time. So much of it. A lot of it we don't even know about. We might have a, a tension in our shoulders and we don't even know it. We're just working away, right? We just ignore all that data. So there are, there are body sensations being reported all the time that we may not know about. If we do know about them, uh, maybe they're influencing how I'm showing up in the meeting. Maybe I'm really tired. Maybe my body's all tense, right? And if I don't, if I don't say anything, then people have got no idea what's happening. 
Then there's emotions, feelings. I feel sad today, or I'm just feeling a bit down, or I'm so excited talking to you, George, the marketer in me bows to the marketer in you. And, and, you know, we can just vibe probably 24 seven on, on memes and things that are going to travel. And when you said, don't take my path, take the short path. I'm like, that's a great way to sell your podcast. Like, that's awesome. So I feel inspired. That's a mouse, right? That's a feeling that I have that may never come out into the air. And then there's our thoughts in a dialogue, as my teacher, Paul Lowe used to call it, in a dialogue what is going on there's so much that we don't even know about but whatever we do become aware of it we filter it a lot of it doesn't make it out into the world now why okay as a kid we probably weren't encouraged to share all our thoughts and our feelings and we probably got in trouble i know i did if i was angry i didn't hear what are you feeling right now david what's happening in your body how is it? You seem angry. How is it to feel angry for you? What's that experience like for you? Do you want to say more about it? Do you want to beat a pillow? I can totally get why you're at. That wasn't my upbringing. Most of us didn't have that. So we've just learned to shut it all down and filter it. And what you get, George, is whatever my, my um, patterns think are okay to release to the, to the outer world. That's what you get. When I went to this, to, to guru after guru after guru, and I'll include Landmark Education, which is totally yep. accessible worldwide to go and get a deeper level of truth. And I saw people speaking truth. The leader got up on stage on the third day and said, I'm terrified of people. And I'm like, you've been on stage for three days. This is your life. This is your career. You're terrified of people. So firstly, I was amazed and awestruck <clears throat> that this guy had chosen to serve. But secondly, I was like, you can say that? I didn't <laughs> know you could say that. I didn't know that, that that was an even an option because I wouldn't want to let people know I'm terrified because then they're going to think I'm weak. They're not going to like me. I had role model after role model of speaking the truth and being courageous. And so one day when someone ran into the room, I was co-teaching a course, and she ran in the room, she said, you've just got to name the thing. You've just got to name that thing that's there in between you. And we all looked at her, we're like, say more. You've got to name the thing, name the thing. We're like, use your words. Like, what are you talking about? We finally got, she was talking about this inner dialogue or these feelings or these body sensations that don't make it out to the world. She said, you've got to name it even if you don't do anything about it or it doesn't need fixing, just naming it brings you into deeper connection with the other person. And yeah, there may be something to handle. If it's a confession or it's something awkward, there might be feelings to have. And then there are more mice to name. And I thought, name that thing, that's a book. And I said to her, you should write a book called Name That Thing. A year later, after I kept talking about it with podcast hosts, I was like, what do we have in society that's closest to this that people can relate to? And I realized it's the elephant in the room. We all know about that. We just have to go much further, much deeper and more subtle. Okay, that's a mouse. What are the mice in the room? The more subtle creatures, name that mouse. And that was a title for, for about a year. I'm going to write a book called Name That Mouse because I can hang my hat on that and people can get their head around that. 
but and it's a meme that can sweep the world. I wouldn't have written the book without the metaphor. And then my friend Deka Kunov, who's a genius, he said, it's a good title. I just think your title is Mouse in the Room because people don't know there's a mouse yet. So let's let them know there's a mouse in the room and then they can work out what the, what the fuck they want to do about that. Yeah, I, I'm in love. And, and here's the thing this, this resonates so much with my personal story. Like, uh, there's a phase in my entrepreneurial career where everybody always asks me like, George, you wear the same hoodie every day. Why are you wearing the same hoodie every day? You wear the same hoodie every day. And the hoodie said unapologetically authentic. And the reason being is like one of the top three moments in my life of um, feeling truly aligned and alive, but also fully present. No shame, no fault, no guilt, no blame was when uh, there's some landmark education for you uh, was when I um, I was about to give a keynote and I talked about this the other day, but it's been coming up a lot and, and I feel like it's relevant to share. And I was at the top of my career as a food blogger, right? New York Times bestseller, number one app, like millions of people a month. And I was giving this talk on how you can use food to create breakthrough results in your life because it's habits and patterns and behaviors. I remember that. I remember that talk off the top of my head. And this was like 2015 and I'm standing in the hotel room with my wife and my wife looked me dead in the eye and God bless the goddess of my wife. Lindsay, if you ever listen to this podcast, you will hear your name a ton, but I know you don't because you hear me talk enough, but I love you. And, um, she looked me dead in the eye and I was literally about to walk out to go down on stage. And she said, are you really going to go down there and lie again? And in that moment, I knew exactly what she was talking about because everybody got my shell. They got my alter ego. They got the version of George that I felt safe sharing to the world. And in my version of story, it was powerful enough that people thought it was authentic, that they thought it was intimate because it was deeper than what most people experienced. But nobody knew why I was a food blogger. Nobody knew that when I was giving that keynote, I was still actively bulimic. Nobody knew that I was dealing with body image issues and body dysmorphia. And I was still in an addiction because I was pretending that I wasn't. And I was talking about it like I was through it. And I had every fear in my life and in my body collapse in one moment. I felt like I had a panic attack and I'd been to combat three times. And the feeling in my body felt 10 times harder than anything I'd experienced. But when she asked that question, I knew exactly what I had to do. And I had two choices in that moment. She asked the question at the perfect time. And I was like, I can't go up here and give this talk. So I either have to not give the talk and go up the moment I'm about to speak and be like, I'm not speaking or I get to be honest. And so I walked up on stage and I had every fear coursing through my body. My career is over. Everybody's going to leave. I'm going to be judged. My world as I know it is collapsing. All my money is gone. And I'm sitting here thinking like I built this career on a hollow ground because it was manipulation at scale unintentionally, but it wasn't really who I was. And so I walked out. There were probably 500 people in the room. Some of them were on their phones. There were people standing up. There were some sitting down. And I have a picture of this. And uh, I was wearing like a white dress shirt. And when I left the hotel room, I was dry. Within 60 seconds of standing on stage, I was drenched in sweat. You could see it in my chest. You could see it in my arms. It was like beating down my face. And it was probably 60 degrees in this room because it was a conference center. And in that moment, I was faced with every fear that had collapsed in 33 years of life. Every shame trigger as a kid, don't share your feelings. Your feelings don't matter. Or if you share your feelings, you got beat and blah, blah, blah. And I yeah. said, uh, I looked at the entire audience and I said, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been lying to all of you. 
and I went on for about two minutes and I explained that, yes, I'm a New York Times bestseller and yes, I'm a food blogger, but you guys don't know that yesterday I was purging in a toilet because I'm still bulimic. And here's why. I was sexually abused as a kid. I did boom, boom, boom. And the craziest fucking thing happened. Everybody who was on their phone put their phone down. Everybody who was standing up sat down. And I have never felt so seen by 500 sets of eyeballs that felt like they were piercing me, but I was being witnessed in my truth. And that was the day that I realized that any time I never shared my mice, I was choosing to basically die. And that was a big, big moment for me. And it was it, it top three moments of my life of like, besides my marriage and my kids and things, but in my growth and in my journey was sharing that moment. And I didn't know how to name my mice. I was literally running another program and I was living in what I would call purgatory, consistent rumination, consistent self-doubt, consistent self-shame, because I felt like there was something wrong with me and there was no way to express these feelings. And so when you share this, it resonates at like a very deep level for me because it's one of the most freeing things that I've ever done in my life. And so uh, I wish your book existed back in 2014. I'm glad it exists now. And, and I got there, but everybody can take the shortcut. And, and it was in that moment, I made that hoodie. And I went home that day and I wrote unapologetically authentic on a hoodie. And I wore it every single day because I needed a constant reminder of where my truth came from. And it was in full expression. It was in full freedom of this is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. And to this day, it's something that I practice flexing more than any other thing that I have. And so my question for you is that, you know, I just talked for a couple of minutes, but it, it felt very, very relevant to the conversation is that that moment was very freeing for me. It, uh, it collapsed a lot and it, it made a lot of things take sense. But the prior seven years of that felt like purgatory and hell. I yeah, felt like I was the living prison. in rumination. It felt like prison and I didn't even know where to begin. And so there's people listening to this and, 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 and resonating with this, but like, how does somebody even begin recognizing their mice? We, we don't, I want to comment on your story first. Oh, we don't even, please. we don't even know we're in prison. That's the thing. It's yes. like in the matrix, Neo senses that something's off, but he doesn't know what. And then he discovers that everything is 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 an illusion so we don't even know it now if you go and do personal growth you do a course you have an epiphany you 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 grow um you may change hopefully you'll change and you'll go to a new orbit but and you can't imagine ever going back it's like oh my god like would you give up your insights of the past 10 years how much nope. would you if someone offered you money would you be like i'll go back to the level of development no you'd never go back Nope. But what will you do to go forward? Because you can't even see it. But once you have a new level of truth, once you practice the courage, which is awkward, it's uncomfortable. If it wasn't uncomfortable or vulnerable, it wouldn't require courage. Everybody would do it. So this is why I think it's a hero's journey. And that move that you made is a, is a, is a hero's move. I'm going to get up on stage and bear all. Now, look, if anyone listening to this feels inspired to go and do that and go and tell their wife that they cheated 10 years ago or go and confess to a crime or whatever, okay, great, more power to you. I recommend you read the book first 
because there are consequences to everything we do. Yes. But I'm I'm interested in the entry level truth. Like, what are the things that you're holding on to? So this speaks to your question. What are you? Uh, here's an exercise you can. I'm going to give you an exercise to start to discover some of the things that might be scurrying around your mind and your body. So you start to get some handle on what are some of the things maybe I'm not speaking up about. That's the first step. Before I do that, uh, a book title came to me as you were sharing your story and you, knowing you, you as I do already, you've probably written a book on this, but the word uh, unveiled came mm. to me as a book title. That. you And there's another word that hasn't come to me yet. It's something about exposed bare all, but it's like totally uncovered and unveiled is what happened in that moment. And so that's the hero's journey. And I've had, oh my God, George, I've had moments. I have confessed to a crime. I could have been sent to prison if the person had decided to prosecute. And that was terrifying to me. I have um, called the girl from high school who dumped me twice and I resented for 20, 30 years. I called the bully from high school that I'd hated for 20 years. I've done these hero moves that were terrifying. You don't have to do that. You can just start with the awkward ones. So grab a <laughs> piece of paper and on one side of the, uh, the heading on the left side of the page is going to be toleration mice. And write down what you're putting up with. It's probably a bunch of stuff around your environment, your, your, your office, maybe something doesn't work in the house, uh, stuff about your body that you might be putting up with, maybe what you're eating or the lack of exercise or the lack of balance. Maybe you're putting up with lack of family time. Maybe you're putting up with lack of presence. You're like, I'm really not, I don't even have moments in the day where I'm just right here, whatever it is, write it down. Other people should probably go on that list. What are you tolerating about your relationship <laughs> or your lack of relationship? What are you tolerating about your boss or your coworkers? Who bugs you? Um, you might need more than one piece of paper. This is, this is fine that you have these tolerations. We just want to bring them into consciousness. These are your toleration mice. Now, on the right-hand side of the page, if you draw a line down the middle of the page, on the right hand, I want you to have another title that says desire mice for every toleration there's probably a desire lurking there there's something you want this is good news for you you want to know your desires and then once you've got that down and this is this is a five minute exercise this is not going to take a lot of time out of your day or maybe you do go to town and you end up spending a few hours on this circle two or three of them just circle two or three and say all right i'll start with those I'm going to find a way to artfully name these mice. It might be something at work, something in a meeting, someone's late constantly. Um, I've got that guy at class that doesn't seem to really want to talk to me. And I made effort this week and I actually had a 30 second conversation, but that's something I'm tolerating. And then in the book, I have something called the 3D process because one of the reasons we, one reason we don't name our mice is we don't know what they are. They're in the background, so we want to bring them to the foreground. The second reason is we don't have a roadmap. We know in the past when we've just blurted it out, 
like one of my colleagues texted me once and said, I'm pissed, we need to talk. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not going to do it that way. That's probably not going to work out very well. Um, so the 3D process, here's what the Ds stand for. Discover your mice. And there are exercises in the book, like the one I just gave you, to help bring those out. There's sections where you can write down. Wait, did we leave sections? No, you'll use your own paper to write down the answers. And then the second D stands for decide. Is this a mouse worth naming? Now, be careful here. Most of you will just assume your mind will say, oh, no, that's, that's just not going to work out well, so let's not do it. Hey, if you're going to keep living like that, you don't need the book. But if you want to change how you live and go to a deeper level of truth, you're going to have to decide to name a lot more mice than you've decided to in the past. And I will help you weigh the scales. What's the upside of naming this mouse? I could feel closer to the person. I could have relief. I could sleep better. I can practice being a leader. I can make a hero move. I can practice vulnerability. So many upsides. What's the downside? Okay, in the extreme case, I, I could lose the respect of 500 people. My career could be over. I could uh, be very, very embarrassed. I could lose business. I could lose money. I could lose my job, maybe. Like, let's just at least work out what could happen. And then there'll be a checkbox. And I have a, I have a sheet for this, for the 3D process, a free download at mouseintheroom.com. Free download, go to the top left, mouse in the room, 3D process, print off 20 of these worksheets and there'll be a checkbox on the worksheet. I'm willing to accept these possible consequences. If you're not, then you're not going to name the mouse. But if you are, then okay, game on. And then the third D is disarm the person or in American, it would be disarm the person. You want to disarm them so that they're well positioned to receive your mouse. You don't want to just blurt it out. You want to prep them so they're like, oh, yeah, well, okay, I, I kind of get you're on your edge here and I get your positive intent. Uh, and yes, I do have a few minutes now. I'm, I'm giving consent. What do you got? Let's, let's talk about it. And then you'll name your mouse. And then for bonus points, once it's done, you'll check in with them to see how it landed. That's a, that's, a, that's a hero's move right there. Most people will skip that. Maybe because they, they don't want to hear it. You want to check in. How is it for you to hear this? What, what comes up for you as you hear it? Are you, are you feeling inspired, embarrassed, annoyed, or something else? I sometimes give people a menu. Give them a chance to name their mice. And then you can ping back and forth in reality in present time awareness about what mice are coming up in the moment. This is actual relating. This is actual connection versus my story interacting with your story. And here's what I want to present. Here's what you want to present. We're, we're trying to look good. We can actually be in reality. And I want that for the world. That is why I wrote the book. Yeah, man, I, I, so much of this rings true to me because I feel like a majority of my life now with the awareness I have, like once I took the red pill, right, I never wanted to plug back into the matrix, but in taking the red pill brought a lot of awarenesses of where I saw where I was never really showing up. I was putting on this front. I was, 
you know, mental masturbation for a lack of better terms, like constantly positioning of like, well, this is how I want you to see me. This is how I want you to perceive me. This is how I want to manipulate the situation, which all it was doing was keeping me trapped in that prison longer and longer and longer because there was never a true connection. There was never a true moment. There was never a true of anything, a true expression of my feelings. And then when they did come out, they were charged, right? They were new defensive tactics and strategies to not allow myself to be fully seen and vulnerable because it was easier to put up this front and this hard wall and project out there. And yeah. there's a there's a model that I teach. I haven't taught it in a couple of years, but it was the AAA method. And, and step number one was um, awareness, right? Like you talk about the mice yeah. in the room. And part of this game is, is, is being aware of how we show up because if we don't have an accurate current state, we don't have a direction to go and it just prolongs this emotional pirating of ourselves. And then once awareness happened, then it went to acceptance and acceptance was being fully integrous with myself of like, yes, this doesn't make me a bad man. This doesn't make me a bad father. This doesn't make me a bad husband. In actuality, it makes me a better one because I have an awareness of where I'm not showing up ideally or where I'm tolerating things or where I'm going. And then once there was a level of acceptance and what I did for myself was until I could sit with it without a charge, it wasn't ready for me to address because there was a level of me that was resisting that awareness. And so that acceptance phase was huge. Then it was action. And then it was like, what intentional action can I take to stop tolerating that mouse or to shift that mouse or to mm -hmm. change that outcome? And so I'm number one, feel extremely validated. Number two, feel extremely excited because this is a incredible, incredible thing. Um, and it's, it's beautiful listening to you talk about it and, and describe it and, and do it. And in that, I think one of the most important lessons I learned, and I would actually love your thoughts on this, is that in the very beginning, when I took that red pill, like after that talk that I gave, uh, I would say that I went in the, the poker world on tilt. I went on emotional tilt where I wasn't asking for consent. I was like a walking fire hose. Right. of details and parts of my story that really the world didn't need. I was an emotional liability at that point. And I didn't understand the difference between intimacy and vulnerability because I, I didn't sit with my mice long enough. I was more so, oh, look, I have another tool. I have this thing that I can do. And I was skipping the most important part, which was the embodiment part of like, this is not a checklist. This is not a to-do list. This is a who I am. And uh, now it's funny. I, I, I'm low-key embarrassed, but I have no problem talking about it. If you go back and listen to podcasts from me five years ago, eight years ago, my story was the same every single time because it allowed me to keep people at bay. And I would share the intimate details of my sexual abuse and the intimate parts of the trauma because I was now using those as a new form of manipulation. I mm. wasn't really embodied in the feeling because if I told people the details of my trauma. They never dug deeper, but I was emotionally hijacking everybody because I didn't get consent. Nobody on that podcast asked me to explain the details on how I was sexually abused. They didn't need yeah. the details of yeah. the story. And, and I, well, it took me five plus years to recognize, and I'd love your thoughts to recognize the difference between intimacy and then authenticity because yeah. oh, there well, were wounds I think, that I was exacerbating. I think, um, I think that's a secondary problem. I think the problem most people have is, is the lack of awareness. We don't see what the mice are. 
if I have a, an army of people discovering their mice and then going out and blurting them out, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay because that's a huge step up for the world. Yeah, you might need some repair to do. It's like, hey, I want to tell you this is what's going on with me. Okay, I didn't really see that coming. Um, didn't really want to hear that. That's their mice, right? That's what it's coming up. Okay, well, hearing that, I'm realizing I probably should have done it a bit better. Let me go and read the book and, uh, and I'll come back and I'll have another go at it. I'm totally <laughs> fine with people uh, messing it up initially. Um, however, if you use the disarm process and you get consent, things will be a lot different. Because the per- when the, if you just say, look, there's something I want to cover with you. It's been on my mind. I kind of want to clear the air. Probably only take five minutes. Do you have, do you have time now? person's probably going to say yes. They might be a little scared because you haven't shared your positive intent. But then you go back to the book, like, oh, hang on. I wrote some notes down. The reason I want to cover this is because I want to have a really good working relationship with you. And I feel like this conversation might, might, might do it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. What you got? So the ways to be artful about it. Um, I want to make the business case for this because I'm thinking yeah. we've got a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this and I don't want them to think this is only about having your life be amazing, which would be fine if, if that's what you felt. Um, I want to make the business case and I want to talk, uh, double click on this AAA thing that you mentioned, because as you were talking about awareness, acceptance and action, which are very easy for me to remember, because this is very similar to what I'm, I'm teaching it occurred to me that the 3D process and this, this concept of discovering your mice, deciding, and then disarming a person, this is a roadmap for growth. This is a rinse and repeat template. If you practice this day after day, week after week, what am I not saying? What's unsaid in the meetings? What's unsaid? In fact, I don't even say this in the book, but it's a great question. What's unsaid in my relationship? What's unsaid with my kids? There's another damn book title, dude. Yep. Uh, in fact, we've now shortened it to unsaid. What's unsaid is a great, it'll get your mind going, huh? And then you think about it as you go and name those mice, it's a journey of self discovery. Because as you do the 3D process worksheet, you're like, ah. Oh, Oh, what is going on for me? I know I don't like the person. I know I don't like what happened, but why? Oh, I feel disrespected. I feel like I don't matter. That's gold. That at least you know that. Maybe you're not going to get that from the person. Maybe you are, but at least you know that. So it's a journey of self-discovery and growth. I don't sell the book like that. I sell the book like this will help you be a charismatic leader. This will help you... um, well, this will help you love yourself and really well, because that acceptance part has to come as you realize, oh, I want this, I want that, I desire this or whatever. Yeah. Can you bless that and accept yeah. that? You may not get it, but can you bless that that's who you are? So I love that you brought that up so we can say it's a journey of self-discovery. And I want to give you a chance to say something before we make the business case for people who are like, okay, how is this going to make me more money? How's this going to get me more clients? Um, is there anything else you want to say before we do that? 
Well, no, I, I, I'll lead into it because I think it's such a valid point. Uh, and by the way, I wrote a note and I said, your mice can be messy. That's my favorite way of describing it. Like, it's okay to have messy mice, right? Like, I think it's the intent behind yes. it. Yeah. And, you know, what I think about when I think about, you know, business, when I think about leadership, when I think about any avenue, whether you're leading your kid, whether you're leading your spouse, whether you're leading a business partner, whether you're leading a team, whether you're leading an agency, uh, leadership is a proactive choice. It's not passive. There is no passive leadership. It's proactive. It requires action. And in that action, when you have this awareness, you have the tools or the quote unquote secrets that make it work. And one of the easiest ways to create that bridge or have that charisma or have that connection and disarm people is to live in your truth. And the more aware we are of our truth, the more aware we are of our shortcomings. Like people laugh at me because at one of my events, you'll appreciate this. At one of my events, I was teaching a concept and I, my brain popped into, oh, this is how I made X amount of dollars. And I said it. And the moment I said it, I didn't feel right in my body. I was like, oh man. And I literally paused the entire, I'm like, wait, hold on. I got to be really honest with you. I said that for my ego because it added absolutely no value to this conversation. You didn't need to know the number. You didn't need to know what I did. So I just wanted to clean it up in a moment's notice. And it's crazy to me because after that day, it was like the number one thing that people came up to me and said, like, I appreciate your honesty, your candor. Like, it made me feel safe in my feelings. It made me want to express. And we even had a guy come up to us on a break and he's like, I want to clean something up. When I answered that question earlier, I lied and I wasn't going to say anything. But the moment you said that on stage, it made me want to come clean. And he came back after the lunch break, took the microphone and stood on stage in front of everybody and cleaned up his truth and his mouse. And so I would love for you to talk about this in the lens of leadership and business and capacity, because I feel like truly to personal development, this into a phrase, like if it's up to be, it's up to me. And yeah. then we have this awareness of our mice. We have the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. So one way to look at it is, is to think about the people you admire, the people who draw people to them. They're, they might be charismatic. People will follow them. People want to work with them. People want to have them come and speak. They get all these opportunities and you're like, I kind of want to be in that club. Uh, yep. We've all got people like that. I know I do. I have people I wish I uh, was closer to and, and, and clicks that I wish I was in. And who knows, as I develop and grow, that may happen. Oh, I just scanned my life and I thought, well, what benefits am I reaping now from the 25 years of, of truth practice. Well, there's a group called the Transformational Leadership Council. I wanna give listeners like a, a concrete example. It's a group called the yep. TLC, um, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup and John Gray from Mars and Venus, who between them have sold more books than God. Uh, yes. They got together in, at 10 years ago, 15 years ago and said, we need a place where we can come together and recharge each other and support each other in our work in the world. Uh, Marianne Williamson was a member. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, I think, is a member. They take like five members a year, and somehow I got in. Now, a lot of it was luck, I'll be honest, and I'll, I'll tell that story another day. But I think a lot of it is if I was not able to be real, to be present, to share my fears. In fact, the first day I got to their retreat, I stood up in the room. They gave me one minute to speak. And I'm like, holy shit. I said, I'm so nervous. I want everyone to like me. And I want to say something now that's very impressive. 
so that you think, God, I want to know that guy. And I'm embarrassed now that I've said that. Uh, and I'm hoping this is going to chill. I'm hoping that I can chill so I can really be with you guys the next few days. That was the truth. And I think it's truth like that that got me into that council and lets me hang out with people at that level and with you, right? If I was operating at a lower level of truth, I wouldn't have the client that I have who recommended me to you and we wouldn't have had the conversation we have. I wouldn't have written the book. So I'm, I'm trying to make the business case for this. How do you become one of those people that, that people want to work with you for five years or 10 years instead of one? How to become the person that, that has double the clients wanting to work with you or double the business or customers saying, oh my God, how do you become someone like Ezra Firestone from Smart Marketer, who whenever I get a client through an email, he because he sends an email once or twice a year saying, go and get coached by David if you can. He's one of the best coaches I know. Those people yes. show up in that call and they say, I'm here because Ezra told me to. I trust him. Implicitly, I trust him. They buy from him. They love him. And I say it's because he shares who he is. He honestly cares about the world and he will share himself. He'll show pictures of his relationship and this and that. And sometimes he struggles. So there is a business case for doing it. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. It might be that your meetings aren't flowing. Maybe they're feeling a little stagnant and boring. So you read the book or at least print off the 3D worksheet and say, okay, um, I'm going to bring this up. Hey, I feel like something's missing in our meetings. I have a vision of a meeting that's very inspiring. We're lit up. We don't want it to end, but we do because we got work to do and we look forward to them. What would it take? Let's have some brainstorming. What would it take to have a meeting like that? That's a leadership move. Now, I broke it, it, it broke down in my head about five minutes ago in a really nice way because the next title, subtitle of the book is going to be How to Lead Yourself and Others. Okay, leadership starts with one. A lot of people don't know that. It starts with one. So when you do the exercise that I gave you to write down your toleration mice and your uh, desire mice, that's a leadership move. That's you leading yourself. And if you decide to fill in a worksheet, that's you saying, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to fill in the 3D worksheet. I'm going to discover something about myself. That's a leadership move. You had to get yourself to do that. Then let's expand it. It's just a matter of scale now with somebody else. If I go to this person in class and say, I, I wonder if we, there's some kind of friction between us or maybe something I could apologize for, that's edgy. I don't know how that's going to go. That's a leadership move. That's me making a move in my relationship with this guy and we'll see what comes out of it. Then it just becomes a matter of scale again. What if you do it in your, in, your, in your meetings? If I decide to speak up in class, so I, I did it last week. I said, I want to have drinks. I had a desire mouse. I want to have drinks with you guys. I want to have drinks at Barney's. I can't really make it to the midnight drinks that you have after class on Monday. Let's meet at a reasonable hour, six o'clock tomorrow. So I we got there. A few people showed up. I bought the first round of drinks. That's a leadership move now at scale. And then you can go further. Maybe you create a podcast. Maybe you decide you want to influence people on a bigger scale. Maybe you get into politics. You run for president. That's leadership on a pretty big scale. 
but all of it is leadership. You're leading with your kids, even when you think you're not. You're always leading someone somewhere. If you get up and you complain, God, God, this is a rough day and I'm really upset about politics today, you are leading yourself and people. If you get up and say, all right, I'm choosing a really good day today. What are you looking forward to today? What's going to be, I think, you think your highlight today? You're now leading people into something else. I've been coaching for 20 years and I didn't know that I knew anything about leadership. I asked my friends, do I know anything? This was like three years ago. Do I, know? I must know something about leadership, but I don't know what it is. And then I discovered oh, for 20 years, I've been leading my clients. If I couldn't lead them into possibility, then I wouldn't get anywhere. I've been leading audiences, leading in a podcast. I'm leading now, either well or not well. That's another conversation, but I'm leading now. Um, so I am excited about the book. I'm excited about anyone who says, I'm going to do something uncomfortable today because it's a hero's move. It's a move towards truth. That inspires me. I love it. And and just because we're on it, will you just tell everybody again, you said it earlier, but where can everybody get the book? I have another question, but where can everybody get the book? Where do they find it? Where do they find that download? We'll give it to them now because you've referenced it and I want everybody ingrained in everybody's brain. Where yeah, can they get thank the book? you. It's not hard to find. If you remember Mouse in the Room, because <clears throat> everyone can remember Elephant in the Room, mouseintheroom.com. That's the website. I love it. Go there. It'll give you a link to Amazon. You can get it uh, in print or Kindle version. And um, I think it's now available on Barnes & Noble as well. well. We'll put a link up on the website to that. So yeah, get, definitely get the 3D worksheet, but I think you'll get a lot more out of the worksheet if you do, it'll cost you like $12.95 for the book. We're not talking about a lot of money and I get, I get very little from that. I'd like you to read it. I've been very gratified to have uh, people just bring it up in conversation and say, hey, I've been reading your book because they didn't, they didn't have to say anything. They could yeah. just be quiet about it. They're like, hey, I've been reading your book. This is really good. They tell me it's an easy read. They go through it. Uh, one guy who I really respect said, uh, there's no fluff in this. That's yep. what I got from There's no fluff. It's just content, 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 and then go and practice it. Go and do yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. We'll call that the compliment mouse. They're using their compliment mouse to make a hero's move to let you know that they're well, reading the in book. The book. In the book, there are eight different types of mice, and you've now, you've now alluded to another one. We call it appreciation mice. Ah, I love um, it. Because not all mice are negative. It's whatever no. you've got. And we have so many things that we could acknowledge about people every day. Our kids, our partner, our assistants, our staff, our boss. I went up to my teacher in acting class and I said, you were lovely with him. I really thought you were going to be harsh about it and you just built him up. I can see why you're in this career. You're really made for it. That's an appreciation that. mouse. We really, whatever you're doing right now, what if you ramped it up by a factor of three? It might mm. feel awkward at first. It did for me when I went to Landmark and I saw people modeling full acknowledgement of people, standing up and saying, this is who you are for me. This is what you've done. When you, when, when you do this, this is the impact on my life. I was like, oh, damn, that's how to do yeah. it. So you yeah. could just practice saying, this is the impact you had on me. You did this and it, I noticed it. Or I felt better about myself when you see. Guy last night at the bar said to me, there was a moment in a scene you did 
where you took three seconds of silence and that three seconds of silence meant more than the 10 minutes of dialogue. That had an impact on me. I feel really good hanging out with this, this guy. I think I'm going to see him tonight and I'll tell him, dude, I really felt uplifted after that time together. It's so easy for that to slip into the background and you just notice it and you don't even tell anybody, including the person. Because most of us, I, I didn't have that in my family. My family didn't have that. If I, if I acknowledge them for something, they'll be, you'll probably feel uncomfortable and awkward and say, oh, well, that's good. How's the weather there? Right? Because we're not used to it. I want this book to sweep the world. And five years from now, 10 years from now, I would just be so thrilled if it's more a part of our culture. The people are like, can I name an appreciation mouse with you? Oh, yeah. Go for it. I got yeah. time for that. I want kids going to their parents saying, mommy, can I name a mouse with you? I want it to be part of our culture. Walk into a board boardroom meeting and say, just before we get started, I want to name a mouse just so I can feel really present here. You share something personal and everyone knows what you're talking about. That, I get excited about that. Yeah, I, uh, I made a note. I'm going to make an introduction mouse for you after this because somebody's been on my heart. Introduction mouse. I'm going to use an introduction mouse because right, I'm even having like an, an in full disclosure, like I have a self-consciousness mouse where it's like, this is my podcast. I love what you're saying. And I'm like, there's this part of me that's like, I'm talking too much, right? And I'm like, shut up, George, shut up. And then I'm like, no, just say it. Just say you think you're talking too much. Who cares? It's coffee and conversation, but it's this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so let's model that right now, right? And then I'll yeah. comment on it. Then we'll go meta. So yeah. hear, hearing that, I feel glad that you mentioned it so we can talk about it and that I can tell you my experience as you were telling your story. So as you're telling your story about being on stage, part of me, a, a voice went through my head, uh, you know, this is really kind of supposed to be me talking on this thing. And this guy's telling a story. And then I, then I was thinking, this is perfect. This story is a, is a gem. This story is exactly uh, what this book is about at its highest, most advanced level. This is inspiring. And so I found myself relaxing and just thinking, yeah. yes, yes. If this podcast was just that story, I'm good. So there was a part of me that just let go. And so I'm glad that you, you got to name that you feel like you're talking too much. And I know you told me up front, this is your show, but mm -hmm. I feel excited and gratified that you felt so inspired that you wanted to share yourself and talk on this show. I think that makes this a really good show. Yeah. I love it, man. And I, you know, it's, it's funny, like you, you said something earlier and I'll let you land this plane because you know, one of the things you said in the very, very beginning is that the work is, it's a muscle, right? My, the awareness of the mice and the flexing of the mice, it's a muscle. And it's a muscle that a lot of times isn't taught and it atrophies when it's not used. And so the more that we flex it, the better we yep. get at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you yeah. caught it going through your head. You notice that mouse. I'm talking too much. That habit. You want to build that habit. Oh, oh. I think I'm talking to, see, it's all in the background. Yep. We don't even know it's there. It's constant. Oh, I just talk too much. Oh, I want, I want, I want people to want to work with me after this. Oh, we got this. It's like constant. We don't have to name it all, but the stuff that is getting in the way a little bit 
If we were on stage right now, I would be going to the audience and saying, so what just happened when he named that mouse and then I reacted? What did you notice? What just happened? What was the impact on you of that? And if we went meta, what I imagined was, um, I, I know I feel more connected with you. I feel excited that you that you modeled it, but I feel more connected and I got to share more of what I had happened. And so we're now in reality versus mm -hmm. you keeping that withhold, which is a great word. We're withholding all the time and you became unveiled and uh, into something so simple. Oh, I think maybe I'm talking too much. I'm, I'm feeling a little embarrassed. Am I talking too? I am often talking so fucking much, George. And, um, and so I, I often feel guilty about it. And I leave these long audio messages for a friend of mine. It's amazing to me that she listens to them. At least I think she does. Um, and she, when she, when she talks and sends me a two minute message, she's like, Oh, I wonder if that was too long. And maybe I talk, I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? It's like four or five or six or seven or 10 to one what you listen to and whatever, but because she shares it and I share it, we get to relate about it. We get to share our t storytelling mice. I'm worried I'm talking too much. It's a story I have. Is it too much? Should I shorten it? Uh, in fact, I might ask her that question. Should I send less? Cause I can do it. But she's told me more than once. She loves hearing about the nitty gritty of how my mind works and how my day works. She loves hearing it. And I'm like, Wow, it's awesome. It's like having a pod 24 seven podcast that someone's actually subscribed to. Um, I, I, yeah, really man, appreciate I, that I love it. Much. Like my, my brain works in like phrases and understanding and it, it's crazy. Cause in the lighthouse concept that I teach, the reason I teach a lighthouse is because it's built on a foundation that can withstand the greatest of storms. But in listening to this and in hearing this, the acknowledgement and the hero's move of sharing the mice are what turns hollow ground into a solid foundation. That's what they do. They deepen the roots into the ground. They solidify our stance in the world. And those are the points that create reality for other people to connect with us and to connect with themselves to start acknowledging and sharing Ooh, their mice. That's great. Every mouse that's named is a point of reality that allows people to connect. They may yep. be able to connect. They may not, but it's like, oh, give them like little hooks or little things to hang their hat on. It's like um, Mark Manson has this wonderful quote. It's kind of related to this. He says something like, ironically, the more you try and get people to like you, the less they will. Yep. People need a little friction to trust you. Love that. And this concept... Um, I think they're two different but related concepts. This one that you mentioned, you know, if you're willing to share something, it gives them a point of connection. They, they yep. might be like, oh, my God, me too. I've been yep. thinking this, the same thing. Or I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up because actually it has been bugging me a little bit and I didn't know how to say anything. Oh, okay, now we got to talk about it. So, yep. so sometimes, it, it, it's, sometimes it's not going to go well. I want to be honest about that. Sometimes it's not going to go well. Sometimes you'll feel really awkward, maybe sweaty. Um, I got, do we have time for me to share a quick story? Do. I don't ahead. have go to. Like, yeah. No, no, because do it. I want to you, share. Because share. it's you, George, I share this quick story. This is like, I was 
so uncomfortable. I could not think about anything else for four hours. This thing was on my mind, this huge mouse. Um, I was living in a house. I used to, um, I love, I love to pee in nature. And because I had a balcony, um, I would sometimes, instead of going to the bathroom and staring at a blank wall, if my tenant downstairs was not home, I would walk to the balcony and pee over the edge. <laughs> if I could get on the roof of the house, I'd get up on the roof of the house and I'd pee off the edge of the house looking out over the valley. Love to do it. One day I was on the phone and unconsciously I went to the balcony and I just peed looking out over nature, bird went by. And then I hear this door slam downstairs. George, I was horrified. I was just like, oh my God, is my tenant home? Because she's a, a young woman. And I'm like, and it's the age of me too. I'm like, have I just made her uncomfortable in her own home? Have I urinated? Uh, and she's been standing out there watching this stream. I was, my mind was going to, I'm going to get um, prosecuted. Uh, this is going to be a court case. It's going to be in the papers about what this landlord did to this young woman. I could not think about anything else for four hours. It was the hugest thing. I got coaching from four different people. And finally, it took four hours and a lot of, you know, if I had the worksheet, I would have filled in the worksheet. Still would have needed a coach. And I was like, because the question on my mind was, did she notice or not? What if she didn't even notice? That's why it's a mouse. It's not an elephant. I don't even know. She might've just shut the door and didn't even, and I'm going to make it worse. Finally, I go and I knock on the door and it was so hard, George. I knocked on the door. I said, can I talk to you about something? I can't even sit still. I'm so upset uh, about something and maybe you don't even know about it, but I just want to get it, clear the air if I, if I can. Do you have a minute? And she's like, what is it? And I said, I'm so embarrassed. Sometimes when you're not home, I just love to pee in the woods. And sometimes I, I will pee off the balcony. I don't do it very often, but sometimes I do it. And I just did it unconsciously. And I didn't know you'd come home. And I'm horrified that I may have offended you or upset you. Now it took work, right? It took four hours of work for me to get to this level of truth. Because most people wouldn't be able to say it like that. But I got coaching. I wrote it down. I got what was true for me. And I was able to say it like that. And she was, she laughed. And she said, well, actually, I hadn't noticed. I'm like, oh, my fucking God, you're kidding me. I just, right? So this was my honest mouse coming through. Like, you're kidding me. I just made it worse. I could have shut up. But I couldn't have shut up, George. Because it would have weighed on me for, the, mm -hmm. for a year or two. Wondering if at some point this is going to come up and I'm going to be in trouble worldwide. Now, all my friends laugh and I could see you laughing. Yeah, it's oh, hilarious. I'm, but I'm this dying. was, ex yeah, I know it's hilarious, right? But it was excruciating for me in the age of me too, because my mind, I do tend to catastrophize. She said, look, my, my, I, I come from a family of brothers and my and my dad and they all love to pee in the woods i like to pee in the woods too when i can and she's like forget about it it's not a problem i'm like oh my god but that's an example of something that would have just stayed on my mind for so long now i forget why 
I was on I was on a really good track when I went off on that tangent with that story. I'm sure there's a there's a point to it somewhere. Well, that's all right. I, I think that story is a perfect bow on the present. You'll probably most likely get a clip to share on social media about that story because it's a good one. And uh, I feel like it validates so truly everything that we've talked about. And I absolutely love it. So I'm going to ask you one final question. This one's on my heart. And so oh, oh, can I hang on? I, I want to yeah. I want to tie the bow. Um, look, most of you won't have any uh, a time when you peed off a balcony and maybe freaked out about it. But my question to you is, what's your version of that? What's mm -hmm. the thing where you hold some shame or some embarrassment? It's really edgy. And you're like, I just couldn't talk about that. I just couldn't do it. That's your peeing off the balcony story. And I want to ask if you might be willing to at least fill in a worksheet on that. Yeah. And then you'll yeah. decide, no, I'm not going to share it. Or now that I've done the worksheet, I think I could. Or with some coaching. I could, I could actually go and have that conversation gulp and see what happens. Okay. Yeah, ready for I love question. it. And I, I think that's a perfect one. And so for everybody listening, uh, I think it would be a mistake if you didn't go to mouse in the room.com and download that worksheet. Like this can't become shelf help or brain help. This is a massive tool. And this is one of the quote unquote secrets. Everybody asked to like, if you want to know the secrets to leadership, to better connections, to leading relationships, to getting what you want. It's having this awareness. And as David so eloquently calls it, making heroes choices to create your reality through this lens. And so I highly recommend going to Mouse in the Room, get the worksheet, get the book, guarantee, guarantee the only benefit will be positive. And so that's my recommendation there. So this last question, and I'm, I'm really excited to hear your, your answer to this. So Let's envision that everybody listening got men in black and forgot absolutely everything that you said in this episode. And in this moment, you have a minute to tattoo any wisdom on their soul that they will take with them forever. What would your tattoo wisdom be? There is a deeper level of truth available. You likely don't see it. But if you're willing to follow the 3D process and practice with the simple stuff and build your capacity you will continually create a deeper level of truth and that will unconsciously give permission for the people around you to do the same. So it's a leadership move. Your kids, your family, your coworkers, your staff, they will be like, oh, well, if you could say that, maybe I could say something that's been going on for me. So you can begin the mouse naming revolution. I love it, man. I love it. And what a perfect way to end the plane. So I'm excited since everybody listening is going to go on a mouse hunt and let's go find as many mice as possible and name them. And so for everybody listening, uh, do me a favor, make sure you connect with David, go to his website, uh, mouseontheroom.com, grab a copy of the book, give it a read, give it a review, fill out the worksheets and send him as much love as he can for anything that he shared in this episode. So David, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for helping me work through a mouse in my room and giving me evidence and edification that it was a good mouse to share and that creating that deeper connection. So it was an absolute honor to have you. So thank you for coming. George, I'm, I'm glad to know you. That's the win for me, that, that I found a brother from another mother. If you were in town, I'd be like, we should be meeting up and I'm going to be looking for ways that we can stay connected. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you out to visit Montana and I'm sure it'll happen sooner than later. So for everybody listening, 
This was another episode of the Mind of George Show. Most importantly, remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. So you will either see me in the next episode or you will hear me or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, have a beautiful day. And here's the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and, quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.